Hey everyone, this week's episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast is going to look slightly different than usual. I had the opportunity to be on the Five Solas podcast, which is also another podcast as a part of the Christian podcast community. And on this episode, James Watkins and I discussed Sola Fide. So listen in to this conversation, as well as checking out some of our previous episodes and our Minister's Minute episodes. We hope you enjoy. This is how it is here. Welcome to our race. Fallen, be trampled, no difference to us. Welcome, everyone, to the Five Solas Podcast. This is, of course, your host, James Watkins, and it is, again, great to be voicing an episode of the Five Solas Podcast. Like I said last week, we took a brief hiatus, and I am super excited to be back and covering in a five-week series, the Five Solas. So last week, we did Sola Gratia, and that was with Daryl Updike of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. And this week, we have another huge, huge solo that we are covering, and that is the solo of Sola Fide, or Faith Alone. And of course, I am not doing this episode alone. I have brought in a dear brother. Uh, you may know him. He's a bit of a celebrity, but yeah, I don't know about that. He's got a celebrity name in a way. Uh, I have here with me James White. How you doing, James? Man, I'm doing well. But since the last episode that I was on with you, I've actually changed my name on social media and things. Well, I'm actually going by James D. White. So maybe... <laughs> Just maybe there will be some less confusion when I'm on the social media world. So now there is a meme that you sent to me the first time that we uh, recorded together. Uh, we did the episode together on total depravity or radical corruption. And you sent over the meme that is James R. White, who is saying, no, not that James White. <laughs> so we kind of give uh, Mr. James White here a little bit of grief about his common name with perhaps the greatest theologian of our time. Well, what's funny about it, though, is that it's not only through the podcast community that gives me a hard time. It's like every Facebook group out there that I'm in that's scripturally related <laughs> or Christianity related. Like the other week, somebody in one group started a poll, vote for your favorite James White. <laughs> uh, James from the dividing line, myself, and then the football player. And the only thing I could respond with was with a meme that was like throwing your hands up, like, what? Why? Why are you even doing <laughs> Like, this? does this even really have to be done? But, <laughs> but James, exactly. you're, you're not short of solid material yourself. Just kind of to start, start us out, I do want to kind of give you a little bit of a platform. Maybe we have some new listeners tuning in. And I want them to kind of get to know you because I appreciate your podcast very much. So if you would just kind of fill everybody in with uh, your podcast, the group that you're with and what the focus of the podcast is. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that and appreciate the opportunity to just kind of talk a little bit about it. I am one of the hosts at the Everyday Ministry Podcast. We're a podcast that's also a part of the Christian podcast community, much like this one. And what are we even doing here I think we came in after both of you guys. So Everyday Ministry Podcast is essentially what it sounds like it is. It's a podcast where we talk about the everyday things of ministry and really just everyday ministers. And really our approach to that 
It's just understanding that all believers are called to be ministers. So not just vocational ministers or senior pastors or youth pastors or anything of that nature, but just all believers in all churches and in all times is called to be a minister of the gospel. We try to discuss topics and just practical things of everyday ministry. We break it up into two styles of podcasts. We have one that releases every month, first and third Monday, which is generally a conversation like right now. Our first week episodes is um, through the Baptist Faith and Message, being Southern Baptist as we are. And then the third week, we are releasing one on spiritual disciplines. And then the other two weeks of the month, the second and fourth Mondays of each month, we release what we call Minister's Minute. And really what it is, it's a 10 to 15 minute podcast where we just throw out something very quick for what we say as the minister on the go. So we just want to encourage you, after you listen to this episode and maybe uh, a few more that previous episodes James has done, go check his out and give us uh, just a listen and let us know if you enjoy it. Yeah. So as he said, we are both uh, members of the Christian podcast community and I was actually the first podcast to join the Christian podcast community. I was the first one that they approved to join in. I went through all the steps with them getting set up and then everyone else kind of followed in, but the podcast community is getting very large and it's not necessarily a focus on how how great we have X amount of podcasts, but it's really a matter of the solid material that is coming out of this podcast community that can really benefit others. So I would encourage everyone christianpodcastcommunity.org. You can see every podcast that is there, man, you know, on the previous episode with you and Daryl, uh, which I want to give him a shout out. I really enjoy him and his wife's podcast, not just because I've been on it as well, but I love the nature of it. I know it may not be everybody's thing, but you can hear the baby in the background. You can hear <laughs> the dog. Yeah, it's addressing the things of everyday life, right? And it's asking this question, what are we even doing here? And I, I really enjoy it. But on the previous episode you recorded with him, y'all gave a shout out to a podcast that's new to the community, but you couldn't remember its name. It's Revive Thoughts. And it is fantastic. They introduced it to us and asked us, you know, our thoughts on it was joining it. But I had actually started listening to it a few weeks before because somebody recommended it to me. And I absolutely love it. I mean, it's just somebody preaching a, an old sermon and it's just great. It just introduces us to some people that we may have never heard of or some pretty famous sermons. Right. And, you know, that's kind of the big thing there is some of these people that we never heard of. Because, I mean, you can find Spurgeon sermons almost everywhere, right? Uh, but it's, it's these little backwoods pastors that always happen to be the ones that produce such great material that never sees the light of day. So definitely grateful for that. And, James, I uh, we're on Zoom right now, so we're video chatting and you know, I'm from Georgia, now living in Ohio. James is in uh, the great state of Bama, but he is wearing an Atlanta Braves hat right now. How are, you, how are you feeling about the Braves tonight as of this recording? I think they're playing the Cardinals again. Like, it's kind of do or die. So just to kind of timestamp the recording here and kind of give everybody the magic of podcasting <laughs> is we were supposed to record last night. But then I had something come up with my my family and my baby, and we just couldn't make it work, which really worked out to my favor because I was watching the Braves game last night. They went into overtime. I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and so it was really good that I didn't record last night because I would have not been in the mood to do so. 
But tonight they're actually uh, on a bye day. Um, they actually ah. play tomorrow, I think at three thirty or so, which is Wednesday. And this is do or die. They win and either continue through the tournament or they lose and they go to home and with their tails tucked between their legs. <laughs> but we know providentially that's not going to happen because the Braves is going to win the World Series this year. So. Well, as as a lifelong Georgia fan of the Falcons and the Braves, I really and truly hope that's true because the heartache is real in the state of Georgia. Uh, <laughs> well, luckily, I got to go to a game this year. And unfortunately, though, it wasn't the game that they clinched the playoffs. It was the game right after. And I really wish I could have been there one day before, but that's okay. Yeah, I remember the best game I went to was it was Bobby Cox's final game. It was a playoff game against the Giants. Uh, Dude, that would have been so awesome. Yeah, it was. It sucked that they lost, but it was great to be there nonetheless. But uh, James, so we are covering another very important solo today. Uh, last week I was talking about Sola Gratia with uh, Daryl, and you know we kind of mentioned that Sola Gratia is maybe kind of the forgotten Sola in a way. Whereas this Sola, Sola Fide, is perhaps the most popular. I would arguably say it's Sola Fide, Sola Scriptura, Sola Christus that kind of get the the brute force of the interest whenever people are discussing yeah. it. So to kind of lead us into this, because Sola Fide, Sola alone, Fide, faith. So could you just kind of guide us in a direction as far as what we mean whenever we're saying Sola Fide, we're saved by faith alone. Well, essentially, it's this idea that we're not saved by works. And I think it has to go hand in hand with solo gratia. Um, It's really that our faith in itself saves us because of the grace of God. Um, And it's because of the grace of God that we're able to place our faith in Christ in the first place. But so sola fide is essentially this idea that we are saved by simply putting our faith, meaning our trust or our dependence upon salvation in Christ and Christ alone, um, which, you know, is a sola Christus. But, you know, you'll get to that eventually through these solas series. Yeah, actually, that will be the one next week. And Andrew Rappaport asked me, uh, he was like, yeah, typically people start with Sola Scriptura. And I was like, yeah, you know, I get that. I went back and forth on the order to do it in. But just for those listening, the order that we're going in is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. So that's the order that we're going to be doing it. So Solus Christus or Christ alone will be done next week. And as of this recording, the plan is to do that with Andrew Rappaport, which will be the first time that he's on. Unfortunately, I would have to agree with Andrew. I think (laughs) generally the consensus is to start with the scripture alone because it's kind of our basis, but I get what you're going at. And plus, I'm pretty sure your opening is the way you're explaining them now, right? Like yes. your introduction to the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. So here is a quote from Martin Luther, and it kind of ties in with what you say, that that faith alone, sola fide, kind of flows from sola gratia. Uh, Luther goes on to say, Faith is a vital, deliberate trust in God's grace, so certain that it would die a thousand times for it. So whenever we are looking at this, and, you know, we kind of have to go there, you know, Things such as like New Age Reformation with the 
uh, with the other cults out there in the world today, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Islam even, why is the teaching of sola fide so vitally important in general for our day and age? Well, I don't even think you have to go to the extent of the cults and false religions out there to really find the importance of sola fide in our modern Christianity, because essentially, though we're not dealing with Roman Catholicism and saying that you have to give Hail Marys and all of these other things, we do see this same thread just woven into humanity itself. And it's probably because of the weight of the law, because the weight of the law does tell us that we're not good enough and that if we don't do these things perfectly, then we are deserving of the wrath of God. So therefore, we as individuals naturally tend to try to fix it ourselves. Right. Um, And we see this in Christianity in many forms. And all the things I'm about to name are wonderful and great things. We're going to kind of get to that towards at the end of the podcast, I think. But, you know, so often we put these expectations on individuals that if they're not at church in X amount of times, then they could be in danger of their salvation. Or if they're not in their Bible first thing every morning that they're not a true believer, or if they're not, you know, checking off these right things to do, or even worse, so often we add things that they can't do that scripture says they can't do. That doesn't say they can't do. And so the issue is that so often we add so much things to our salvation that we almost get to this idea that not only does our works save us, but our works continue to maintain our salvation. And I think that's where it really falls into. And I think really with Roman Catholicism, that's where it falls into as well, because they would hold to the they're saved through faith alone, but then they would say they have to do all these other things to maintain their salvation. And this same thing we see in free will Baptist world, the same thing we see in the Methodist church and, and, and even other denominations throughout the U.S. and the world itself. Right. And so you bring up a very important point with us adding to salvation, because even in the Reformed circles, those that hold to the five solas, as we discussed last week, do we really truly believe in faith alone? Uh, That's really kind of the challenge, because if you're saying that something else other than faith alone in Christ alone is a requirement for salvation, then it's no longer sola fide. Uh, It just kind of then becomes meaningless. But really, I think that the absolute importance for generalization is that all of us are at enmity with God uh, as natural man, that we all need to be justified, that our spiritual condition, that the need, the greatest need in every single one of our lives is indeed something spiritual. Mm-hmm. And we kind of get a little bit more into it as well about you know faith being granted from God. But I think we need to move into justification a little bit so and really lay out because this has everything to do with what must I do to be saved, right? This is yeah. that question. How is a person, how is a sinner justified before holy God? And whenever I'm speaking of justification, it basically means to be declared legally righteous or right before God. So as you were saying with such as Roman Catholicism, they would, they would of course say they agree with Ephesians 2, 8, that we're saved by grace through faith, right? But as you said, they add all of this extra stuff to it. You have to be baptized. You have to, there's penance, you know, if you commit a mortal sin, 
it's not true faith alone. And of course, we'll get into what they say about faith alone a little bit later. But there seems to be a consistent theme with any and all other religions is that justification being declared legally righteous by God seems to come in and of ourselves more than it comes from faith alone in Christ. So the issue is that what we're dealing with is something that's been around since the beginning of Christianity. Yes. We see this in the Judaizers. When I think this is why Paul really addresses a lot of what he addresses. We see it in other sects that Paul deals with and things of that nature. But really it's this idea of adding things to our salvation. Like the Judaizers, for example, were saying, yes, you're saved by faith alone in Jesus alone. But to really go with that, you have to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. You have to obey the law. You have to do all of these things. And so this isn't something new. This is something that's been going on from the beginning. And the issue with it is essentially, really, let's look at what it means to put our faith in Jesus. What it means to put our faith in him is saying that we're no longer trusting in ourselves to save us, which is really the heart of the of every sin, right? The heart of every sin is that in our rebellion against God, we're saying, God, you're the creator, you're the perfect one, you're the holy one, but I know better. And because I know better, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to rebel against you and go against you. And in doing that, we're saying, I know better, and I'm going to do what I want to do because I am my own God, essentially. And the issue with that is that that damns us, right? That sends us to hell. And when we put our faith in Jesus, what we're doing in that moment is saying, God, I trust in you above all else. You're my only hope in life and death. You're the only thing that can save and redeem me. And so this idea of putting our faith in him is in itself a righteous act. That's why, as we were talking about earlier, it has to be by grace alone that we can even do this, right? Because God is the one that is enabling us to have this righteous act to bring us into salvation. Now, the issue, though, is that when we think about putting our faith in him and being justified is when we add all these other things to salvation, what we're then saying is, God, I know you say faith is enough, but I don't trust that. I don't trust that faith is enough because if I don't do this or if I don't do stop doing this, then you won't save me. You're not strong enough. You're not mighty enough to save me even in the midst of all of these things. And so that's why faith alone is so crucial to believing in him because it's saying, God, you are enough. I can't do it. Nothing else in my life can. Only you can. And that's why faith alone is the center of what we or thinking of when we think of our justification, because in all these other forms of things, we're trying to justify ourselves. Right. And that's writing a check we can't cash. Yeah. So whenever we are looking at the doctrine of sola fide, of faith alone, and you know, there has to be a realization. This kind of goes back to the nature of man as well. I touched on that in sola gratia. And, and that our faith alone in Christ alone is that there has to be a realization of who we are before God, what needs to occur in order for that righteousness of Christ to be imputed to me. And I really think that actually reflecting on that law, you know, you were talking about the law a second ago, and I'm going to the Heidelberg Catechism here, 
Uh, some people would call me a Presby, like I did Daryl Updike last week. But how do you come to know your misery? The law of God tells me. And that really is uh, the law of God is a is a reflection of everything that you absolutely cannot live up to and someone needing to live that life that you cannot and will not live. That'll flow more into the imputed righteousness of Christ that whenever you place your faith alone in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to you. So I guess kind of the, and you know what, I'm going to stop right there because we're about 20 minutes in and I want to take a quick break. But whenever we get back, I think I have a very important question that maybe a lot of reform people don't know how to deal with. So guys, we will be right back after this quick break. Hey, I'm Daryl and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the host of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast. The podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Souls Podcast. This is your host, James Wagons, here with the great, the other James White. And uh, James, we were on commercial and I seen you kind of look like you had a thought. So let's uh, let's go ahead and roll into it. Well, I know you wanted to jump to that whole question that so many Reformed people have to deal with. But before we jump to that, I, I couldn't help but think about the book of James. You know, I know right now it's James White recording with James Watkins. And so we throw a, a third James in the mix that might get a little confusing. But kind of a trinity of James is here. The tr- yeah, that's right. The trinity of James. It's not the holy trinity. <laughs> no, no, not at all. That. Not at all. That's more um, than Patrick. Yeah, the unholy trinity, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, you're talking about the law and how the law is to be a mirror into our, really our need for Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And it couldn't help but think about who said that. And that is James, the brother of Jesus, right? And, you know, his letter got a lot of backlash from people in the Reformed world throughout history. I mean, even John Calvin himself thought that the book of James should not be in the canon of Scripture, which is very interesting. I've heard modern people actually say that. Modern people saying yeah. that they did not believe that James should be in the canon because it contradicts Paul. Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting about it, though, because when you rightly put it in context, it's, it doesn't. And that's why I wanted to highlight real quick, because when you read like James chapter 2, verse 17, this is where people would say that, James's theology of faith contradicts Paul because it's saying that James believed there had to be something more than just faith alone, that there had to be works with it. But James says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, the issue is that when we read that, we may take it like that, that James is saying there has to be something plus faith to be saved. Mm -hmm. But when we read scripture like this, we have to go back to kind of what me and Andrew was making fun of you about is that we trust in scripture alone. And so we have to weigh this with the rest of scripture. And when we weigh this with the rest of scripture, what we should rightly understand is that James isn't contradicting Paul here. What he's really saying is adding to the conversation or even strengthening Paul's argument of saying faith alone, because our faith that we place in Christ alone is not a faith that is alone. Right now, that's 
not something I said originally, because it sounds kind of spiffy there. That is actually something I read in Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology uh, a few weeks ago when I was thinking of sanctif- talking, I was preaching on sanctification. Um, but anyway, so what we see in this is that James isn't contradicting Paul. What he's really getting at here in the heart of the issue is that when we truly place our faith in Christ alone, it's not a faith that is alone. It's a faith that is active and living and true and transforming because when we place our faith in Christ alone, then in that moment, what God begins to do is to sanctify his children. And so therefore, we're going to have the spirit of God living in us. Therefore, we're going to look different. We're going to act different. We're going to do things different. Not that we're perfect, but it's going to be a different life altogether. Right. And you bring up a a good point regarding the book of James here. Um, I think that whenever you look at a lot of Paul's points, uh, specifically in Romans and Galatians, that Paul is speaking very heavily on a justification before God. Uh, whereas whenever you are reading this, such as in the book of James, uh, and you know, Catholics will make the the claim all the time that see the only time that faith alone comes into place is whenever he says that you're not saved by faith alone. And kind of the problem with that, if you're looking at James in the scope of justification before God, then okay, you do have a problem. You do have a blatant contradiction there, but we know that scripture doesn't contradict one another. Uh, It would not be divinely inspired if that were the case. But what I think you see with the book of James is that you're, if you view it in the lens and you said the word of sanctification and not justification, if you look at it within the context that James is speaking on, it is not in contradiction at all. As a matter of fact, I think that Paul would, would agree with it. <laughs> well, I think that's exactly what Paul does. And let's just go to the, the common scripture that we like to refer to uh, as Reformed individuals, right? Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 1 through 10, we see this long discourse of Paul explaining something to this church in Ephesus, because that's who's writing to, right? It's writing to this church that is in Ephesus. And he begins in verse 1 and says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? So Paul's reminding this church, these people of God, where they once lived. And then, you know, you get down to verse 8, and it says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not of your own doing, but a gift of God, right? So through faith alone. But what does Paul say next? In verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So Paul is saying the same thing as James. He's just wording it slightly different. So Paul here essentially says the same thing, that you're saved by faith alone. But now that you are saved by faith alone, you don't stop there. You're going to walk in the works that God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in. Right. And then you can even go back Old Testament and really see this same theme is that how was Abraham justified? He was righteous before God by faith. If you look to Romans 117, that's the verse in and of itself that flipped Martin Luther over on his head. Uh, a man that if any, if anybody was saved by works, it would have been Martin Luther. I don't know about that, but uh, Romans 117, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, James, I do have a question for you um, because I, I think that this is important aspect with sola fide. Uh, so many people here, you know, we talked about it last week that 
that we're saved by grace. And the kind of the common argument is, oh, so you're saying that you could just sin and do absolutely everything that you want. And it's okay. And we went to scripture on that. And we seen that Paul said, uh, should I continue with sin that, that grace may abound? God forbid. So Paul addresses that. Uh, but we are in a culture now uh, where you have a lot of people who walk around. They say that they believe that they have faith. Uh, you have this easy believism within the church. Um, you in the back, I see your hand up. Uh, raise your hand if you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ this week. Cl- everybody close your eyes. Oh, I see your hand in the back. You're saved. How does the teaching of sola fide, faith alone, differ from this easy believism that has kind of invaded the the modern church? Well, I think it's multifaceted kind of answer here. I think first of all, we must first recognize that faith is more than simply believing in Jesus. Yes. Faith is placing our trust in him above all else. I mean, I know this is so cliche to say, and I understand that, but what we should rightly understand is that demons and Satan and all of these other principalities and things of that nature believes in Jesus, right? That's, that's clear throughout scripture. And so it's got to be more than just believing in him. We actually even see when you read through the book of John, there is time in and time out when Jesus is performing these great signs and miracles that there were people that quote unquote believed in him. But what he would make clear is that they didn't have faith in him. Right. They believed in him as the possible Messiah or as a prophet or as a good man but they didn't put their faith in him to save and redeem them. Now, so that's the first thing is really we have to separate putting our faith in Jesus and believing in Jesus because that's the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Is as many people believe in Jesus. And I think rightly so, because historically we see that Jesus existed. Now, the second thing too, and not to kind of go back completely to our previous conversation, but I think as we just talked about with comparing James's letter and Paul's words is that when we truly put our faith in Jesus, there's nothing easy about it. No. So much so that Jesus commissions his disciples to go out two by two as 12. And in that same calling that he places on their lives, he says, look, there are going to be wolves that come after you and you're going to be persecuted. And if you think about Paul himself, in his conversion experience, he says, God is talking to him. He says, look, you're going to be my instrument, but you're going to suffer your life and give it up for my namesake. And so there's nothing easy about putting our faith in Jesus. I even think about, so in John, we see this moment where this man that was born blind. Now, this is a big sign that we see in the Old Testament that only the Messiah would do is heal a man that was born blind. And what happens is Jesus, you know, heals this blind man and these religious leaders and even the people in the area did not believe this was the same man, mainly because this is hard to believe that he was able to see after being born this way. And it begins this conversation between this once blind man, the religious leaders and his parents. And his parents had to have known. There's no way that they did not know that was their son. But instead of placing their faith in Jesus, 
they wanted to maintain their status in the church mm-hmm. or in the temple. And so to the point they said, he's grown, you go talk to him about it. And so much so that they wouldn't be kicked out of the temple and kicked out of the church, right? And so the reason why I bring that up is essentially this, is when we place our faith in Jesus, it turns our world upside down. Because we were once dead, now alive. We were once lost, now we were found. We were once blind, now we see. Therefore, we were once lost, dying, and on a trail that is away from God, going on a path towards God. And in doing that, he causes us to give up his life for his namesake. Now, obviously, not everyone that becomes a believer, not everyone's life ends in persecution and death because of the name of Christ. But when we place our faith in him, it's a call to lose our lives. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of easy believism is just terrible in general. Now, I want to be charitable. I wouldn't say most people that practice this or do this or doing it out of ill intent. But what they're doing is something very, very dangerous. Yes, very much so. Uh, and, you know, kind of speaking on kind of the condition of the church now is, I mean, this isn't anything new, right? I mean, teachings coming into the church that are just outright heretical. I mean, as you stated earlier, Paul's even addressing it in the book of Galatians, uh, one of his earlier writings. Uh, but Luther actually said, it actually said Luther became convinced that the church was corrupt in its ways and had lost sight of what he saw as several of the central truths of Christianity, the most important of which for Luther was the doctrine of justification, God's act of declaring a sinner righteous by faith alone through God's grace. Now, just kind of looking back at the book of Galatians, and I kind of want to move into the importance of getting this right, having this right understanding of the gospel, because that's what this is. Uh, Sola fide is a gospel issue. Whenever you start departing from sola fide, you are moving into some very, very dangerous ground, uh, ground that you do not want to tread in. Uh, But we first have to understand what has to happen in order for a person to believe, right? We uh, know from John 3 that Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again. It says in Ezekiel that we will be given a new Heart. So that's what has to change. We are by nature children of wrath, born at enmity with God as a result of sin. We're all born dead, fallen in Adam, and we all by nature hate God. I mean, that's the reality. Now, something has to change in order for us to go to God. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So this regeneration, this act of being born again, this act of you receiving eyes to see and ears to hear, as James talked about a, f- a couple of minutes ago, this has to happen. And we look at Ephesians 2, where it says that you're saved by grace through faith. I mean, this is a gift, right? I mean, grace is uh, obviously grace is grace, it's unmerited favor towards sinners. Even this faith that we're given is granted. That has to happen. And, and, you know, I'm sure that you see it as a minister, James, whenever you are ministering to people. I mean, this is a very easy signal to where someone is in a spiritual aspect, right? This actually hearing them speak about how they are saved can be, I'm not going to say is, but it can be an indication of whether or not their heart has been changed. Because as you, I mean, 
whenever people are first saved, they're not saved with perfect theology, right? I mean, that comes from growing in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I mean, how do you see this in your field of ministry as far as sola fide and people's understanding of it? Well, I think the number one way we see it is more or less in a wrong understanding of how one was saved, especially, and I know you're in a different land now, and um, (laughs) that here in the great South, we really see, and I know you kind of touched on with easy believism, but I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's this whole idea of cultural Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so often people are trusting in other things that they think are connected to Jesus to save them. Um, much like being baptized or going to church or growing up in church and things of this nature. Like um, essentially so often I hear conversations of people as I begin to share the gospel with them and talk to them about Jesus and really who God is and who we are in connection to him and why that is so bad and our need for Jesus. So often people respond with, you know, I was baptized when I was, you know, yeah. eight or 10 and, you know, I walked the aisle or, you know, I talked to the pastor or, you know, just different things of that nature. And now I want to be clear and say that we understand and know that God could have genuinely saved individuals when they really don't know completely or wrap their minds around grace completely. Yes. Um, they can understand it to their extent and then believe and trust in Jesus. And that's the importance of discipleship and teaching and growing that individual. So I'm not saying that everyone out there that has a shallow view of the grace and faith that they've placed in Jesus is in a believer. Absolutely. Because I think they could have been lost by the wayside and the church didn't do what they were supposed to do. Much like I would say, not everyone in the Catholic Church is unbelievers. I think there could be some out there that are faith in Jesus and truly trusting in Him. I agree with um, that as well. I'm, I'm being gracious, you know, as much as I can. But here in the South, so often we actually have to explain to individuals that they're not saved, or really try to convince them that they're not saved before we could truly share the gospel with them. Much like. Christian apologetics, really, is we have to break down these walls of what didn't save them to explain to them what does save them. Right. And really, I think that's where faith alone really hits in my specific area of ministry. Because so often, I mean, even, and I'm not trying to make fun of it, I think it's a great and glorious thing, and God can use it for His good and His will and bring Himself glory and good to those around them. But in all reality, like VBS, which for those that don't know, Vacation Bible School, (laughs) you know, or even youth events, right? Youth events for years were structured in such a way that it would be high-energy, And at the end of the thing, after all of the kids are just tired, that they would have this emotional experience where the guy would explain the gospel in some sort of a way and then have the lights down low, music high, and just have this response time. And I'm not saying God can't work in those moments, but because of this way of almost trying to manipulate people into salvation— what we've done is convinced a whole lot of people they're saved when they're really not. 
and I don't think this is unscriptural for us to view it this way. We actually see this in Matthew, right? We see mm-hmm. that Jesus says, there'll be on that day, many that will come to me and say, Lord, did I not do this in your name? Did I not do that in your name? And his response is, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And you know, the the reality here is that reformed people who are professing belief in the solas and the doctrines of grace, those could very well be people that Jesus says that to. I mean, reformed people aren't exempt from this. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. We're not saved by perfect theology. You know, especially this young restless reform movement that uh is it's really kind of become, you know, the it thing to do is to hold to the solas, hold to the doctrines of grace, put drink your beer or whatever, you know, I'm I'm not against drinking beer. I just never tasted one that I liked. So I'm I'm not reformed enough for people because of that. Uh <laughs> but it, it is it's such a vital issue, you know, in the Bible Belt, especially you run into it all the time It's such shallow understanding of God's grace is really what it boils down to. Uh, most of the time you run into people who have just made a complete idol out of love. Right. I mean, we see that all the time. Well, God is love. You know, he'll he'll forgive me. You know, it doesn't matter what I believe. Uh, but that goes back to God being just. And because God is just, he must judge you for the sins that you have committed against him. But going back to it, this isn't anything new, right? I mean, we look at, um, you know, James brought up uh, Paul in the book of Galatians with the Judaizers. Basically, you're saved by faith alone and Christ alone. But, oh, yeah, don't forget to be circumcised. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. And Paul writes them, and I want us to look at it. So we're going to look at Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And this was actually the first sermon that I ever preached whenever, uh, because, because here's the reality too, and I've made mention of this before. My wife and I, Shelby, we were in a prosperity gospel church whenever God saved us. So it is completely by God's grace that he saved us despite that teaching that we were under, but yet he did lead us out of it. Uh, but Paul says, starting in verse six in chapter one of Galatians, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you and the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Verse seven, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. And here's the big one. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. And accursed in the Greek is anathema, anathema. It means damned. That is the reality that we face whenever the gospel of Christ is distorted, whenever we depart from these beautiful truths of being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so I really want to use that to have my brother James D. White here lead us into what the gospel is in light of sola fide. So I... Not that I'm complaining about sharing the gospel. I enjoy it. I really thought I was going to get out of it since I did it this in the last show. But essentially, (laughs) when we put it in the light of sola fide or in faith alone, just for the English-speaking people out there, right? The importance of it is this. God is perfect and holy. But not only is he perfect and holy, but He's the creator. And because he's a perfect and holy creator, this means that he is in control of all. He's sovereign over all, and all is accountable to him. Now, what's the issue with that is that all humanity has fallen. They are sinful, depraved creatures. Now, 
if you want to go back, you can go back to the episode I recorded with James previously on the depravity of man and kind of explore that if you're really curious of what I mean by depraved. But what I mean by that is that we're sinful and rebellious and we have turned against God. And because God's perfect and we're not, then we were hopeless. As that scripture, as James highlighted so perfectly, it means damned, right? That's where we are. Outside of Jesus, outside of grace and faith, we are damned. We are doomed and destined to a place called hell. And not only that, but we are deserving of it. It is something we earned. And the great and wonderful thing is that through the grace of God, God sent his only son into the world, being God himself taking on the flesh of humanity, lived a perfect and sinless life. And in living that perfect and sinless life, he died the death that we all deserved, that death where God poured his wrath out on his son, and in doing that, took our punishment for us. And all of this, ultimately for the glory of God, but also so that God's children could do exactly what we're talking about tonight or today or on this episode, which is placing our faith in him. And it is all made possible because of what God has done in Christ Jesus for us. If you're listening and you don't know Jesus and you've never experienced this love that we are speaking of and this mercy and this grace that God has given us, I would really encourage you because when we don't believe in easy believism, we don't trust that just saying a prayer can save us. But what we trust in is knowing that if we simply put our faith in Jesus to save us above all else and then seek his will in doing that, then he will save us. He will redeem us. And so if you're listening and you have never come to Jesus in salvation, my prayer and my hope is that not only listening to this five solos series, but also just hearing the gospel, God would lead you to himself and that you would do exactly what we're talking about. And that is placing your faith in him. So you get a little bit of cheer there. That was a great gospel presentation, brother. And for those, um, I have had a couple of people and this is the absolute grace of God in the podcast. Why we do what we do. Um, I have had a couple of people that were in false religions, cults. I've had a Catholic and I've dealt with uh, someone that was wrapped up in the NAR. Uh, they have messaged me. They have asked me to walk them through some of the difficulties that they're having. And, you know, I've done that. Uh, I'm not there. I don't claim to be their pastor or anything like that. Um, I'll help them walk through the scriptures. I'll help them find a sound church that they can be plugged into. That way they have that pastoral care over their lives as a need. Again, I do not replace the local church. But, you know, that that really and truly is our sincere prayer, that if there's unbeliever listening, that you would place your faith alone in Christ alone, uh, trusting in him, his perfect life, his the death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. That is what our prayer is. And if you're caught in something that is so anathema, as departing from this truth of sola fide, faith alone. You know, and as you said, you know, nobody knows Latin until it comes time to speak about the solas, but that you would place your faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, that you would trust in his perfect work upon the cross where he said it is finished. And just to kind of tie us up here, I do want to let you all know for the month of until November 5th, let me just put it that way. 
Uh, 10% of all of our sales from fivesoulsministries.com will go to the open air campaigners. And you can pick up our five solas gospel tracks. Uh, James, it's been great having you on. I just kind of want to give you the platform here. If you have anything else that you want to add to this, um, of course, plug your everyday ministers. I'm just going to give you the floor. Well, I essentially started off the show by telling you about the podcast. Go to our website, go to Christian Podcast Community to find that. But what I want to end with, and I just want to add to the conversation just briefly, is this idea of sola fide and faith alone is something that we can rest in as believers Mm -hmm. because this doesn't give us permission to sin. But what it does say is that when we don't live perfectly or when we caught in sin or when we need to repent and turn away, or even when we're just not living the way we should be, right? We're not giving God the attention we should, or we're not living as we should in general is that if we have truly put our faith in Christ, then we can always hold on that to be true. Because God's the one that saved us through grace alone, in faith alone, in Christ alone. So therefore, we don't have to fear losing our salvation. We don't have to fear waking up one day and God's grace is worked out and that we're no longer in His mercy. And so I just want to end with the encouragement of rest in your faith in grace in Christ. Because that is where our hope lies. It doesn't work, lie in our work to maintain our salvation. Just like we're not saved by works, we're not, our salvation is not maintained by works. Amen. And that is a beautiful truth for us to rest in. Because So, so you're right. So often we do struggle to do the things that we know that we should do, right? That's Romans 7. That's Paul. For I do the things that I hate. And I think at in those moments, we tend to look to our works. We tend to look to our perfection and the commandments, our perfection and repentance. And we seemed and we questioned whether or not well, am I even saved. I said that last episode, right? Talking with, uh, with Daryl, this has just been a challenging season for me. And I'm starting to wonder if I'm even saved, but the reality is, is the reason why I'm wondering that is because mm-hmm. I'm not resting or trusting that God's grace is sufficient uh, and that's really the root of it. Uh, anytime that we question now, self-examination, you know, that that's biblical, right? We're supposed it's to crucial. do that. It's it is crucial. crucial. We, we have to do that. But, you know, whenever it comes down to it, whenever we are looking for assurance of our salvation, we cannot look to the law because we're going to fall flat on our face every single time. But rather, as James just just got done telling you, look to the cross. Look at what the grace that God has extended to his people. Look at the faith that you were to place in Christ alone. And there, resting in that, resting within sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus, is your assurance of your salvation. And James, I just want to thank you for pointing that out. Uh, glad that we went there because... You know, we see it a lot with believers, and as as a minister, I'm sure that you see it often with people. I don't even know if I'm saved. That's a difficult conversation to have with someone. No doubt, it really is. And so, James, I want to before we jump off here, man, just thank you again for allowing me to be on this episode. Well, thank you for coming on with me. Um, I'm still looking for somebody to do Soli Deo Gloria for me. So if I don't have any takers, I might come knocking again. Uh, but <laughs> we'll see how hey, it goes. Hey, I, I will gladly be on another episode. <laughs>
Well, as always, it's great having any of our brothers and sisters from the Christian podcast community on with us. Uh, So this wraps up Sola Fide. So we have moved through Grace Alone, Faith Alone. Next coming is Christ Alone. Uh, Again, be be sure to go to fivesolasministries.com. You can pick up five Sola gospel tracks. So we have Faith Alone tracks. We have Grace Alone tracks, Christ Alone tracks. And 10% of your order will go to the Open Air Campaigners. Please visit us on Facebook in order to get more details on that ministry. But James, again, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, It's been a terrific episode, and I hope and I pray that someone out there is edified, that they're encouraged, that they seek the truths and the beauty found within faith alone. And this is James Watkins with the Five Solas Podcast, and may all that you do be done to the glory of God. like to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where we seek to provide quality content first through our full-length episodes that release every first and third Monday of the month, and second, through the Minister's Minute. These are short 10 to 15 minute episodes that release every second and fourth Monday of the month, in which one of our co-hosts will seek to answer a specific question related to everyday ministry. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast through the podcast catcher of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. Today we pray peace and grace for you through our Lord Jesus Christ, and happy ministry.